0: Good morning, Crossings family. It's a great song, another gift from Bill and Gloria Gaither. This is the place where we pray. This is the place where we cry. This is the place where we start till death do us part, where we say goodbye. Here we leave all our pain, find forgiveness and grace. Here we walk down the aisle, dedicate every child here in this, sacred place this is the place I've told you before that my brother and I had the great privilege as preacher's kids to move one time and so being a part of two churches uh, as kids and then off to college and uh, ultimately for me in Oklahoma City and uh, my brother would end up in California for 20 some years and now we're in the same town together which we love but we didn't know the church could be anything other than wonderful that was our only experience Wonderful, loving, kind, place you could cry, place you could pray, place that was safe to admit the pain. That was the kind of church we grew up in. We didn't know there was any difference. And unfortunately, we found out through the years that that is sometimes unique, a very unique feature that we certainly have here at Crossings that I never dreamed we could have at this size to be a church this large, but God has been gracious. We've been looking at the one another's. Be devoted to one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another as Christ accepted you. Greet one another. It actually says holy kiss, I was gonna leave that off, but um, for some reason it must be quoted three times because it's on my list three times. Serve one another in love. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. The list is lengthy, but as I go through these one another's in this particular series, I'm reminded again that one another speaks to relationship and it speaks to us as a church. And if we can't practice these inside the church body here, then we're not going to do very good outside. And one of the worst things the world can see when two people claiming to follow Jesus are not being very kind to one another. They're not submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. They're not considering another better than themselves. They're not being very patient certainly not kind or compassionate. I'm glad we have that in this church and God is using us in significant ways, I believe, because of that and many other things. When I was in the eighth grade for the summertime, I was encouraged by our, my uh, youth pastor then, uh, as an eighth grader, to uh, join a group, the teaching series for the, for, uh, the summer uh, in How to Share Faith. And we were encouraged to do that, and so there were probably, I don't know, maybe 10 of us that signed up to, to come every Wednesday or Thursday night to the church and receive some teaching on how do we really effectively let others know we're followers of Christ. And then, now this is, um, I don't know, this was a long time ago, it was 40, maybe, maybe more, um, uh, maybe 50, but it's been a long time. So. Um, as an eighth grader then, what we would do if we had the lesson, we would get in the car with the trainer, as, that, as they were called. They're helping train us how to share faith. And we would go knock on people's doors that had visited the church the previous Sunday. If you do that now, you could get shot. But we did it then, and they were eager to see us open their doors. And we had some powerful encounters with people on, that thir- on those Thursday nights. We'd all gather back and kind of talk about the conversations we had, what we learned, or what we saw happen. One particular night, I was with John Bodecker. He was a pastor on my dad's staff. John himself had a powerful story. He was a GM executive and uh, had the best life you could imagine, and, but God got a hold of him. He gave his life to Christ, not realizing that the next step for him was going to be giving his life into ministry. And he did. And he stayed in ministry. He's uh, up in years now and not, health isn't so good. But I was talking to his son-in-law this week, just making sure to let them know how much they mean to me and how much they meant to me as a kid. So I was with John, Pastor John, that evening. We went to this home. We were kindly greeted and, and let in. And they had visit, the, the lady there, her, she had visited. Her husband hadn't. But they're this young couple. I mean, it was like... I want to be like them when I grow up. They'd been out playing tennis. I mean, they had the cool thing going. And they were just this great, neat couple that I thought, this is cool. Well, she'd been to church with her dad that, uh, on previous Sunday, but he hadn't. And he had no intention of coming. See, he was one of the most brilliant professors you probably could have found in any university in Ohio. He was particularly brilliant, if I'm recalling right at helping people understand there's no possible way there could be a God, that all this, just, that all this certainly wasn't created. Ultimately, to make a long story short, he began to listen. He began to be around people at the church who weren't as weird as he thought they might be maybe. The end of that story is he would give his life to Christ he would go to seminary, he eventually became a pastor on my dad's staff, and when I, get, when I got to high school, my senior year of high school, he and his wife were my Sunday school teachers. So I was there when the story was yet to be told, as a senior in high school, and I, was very, I found that very inspiring, because I knew the odds were very much against that happening. And he still pastors to this day. He and his wife are still pastoring a church. You've heard this before, but today you need to hear it again because I want to read it again. When I opened up a box of books, some of you have heard the story. My, when I, be, I became the interim pastor of the church while they looked for another one, for a real one. And uh, I, was, I, I was the youth pastor, you know, I held, handled the music. But uh, I, I said, "What's well, an interim. We're a small church. We couldn't afford anything. So, I, you know, you've heard it. I did this Chuck Swindoll book reports. Uh, church grew, actually, uh, with Chuck Swindoll's preaching. But I was the interim. And I still tell people to this day, I've been the interim pastor here now for 39 years. <laughs> but we're still looking. And I opened a box of books that my dad happened to drop off on his way to California. And on the top was this book. I mean, if this was, the, God had to place it there. I opened it up and I got my marching orders. <laughs> now that I was an interim or not so interim pastor. I stand by the door. I'd either go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It's the door through which people walk when they find God. There's no use my going way inside and staying there when so many are still outside. And they, as much as I, crave to know where the door is. Listen to this. And all that so many ever find is only a wall where a door ought to be. They creep along the wall like blind people with outstretched, groping hands, feeling for a door, knowing there must be a door, yet they never find it. So I stand by the door. The most tremendous thing in the world is for people to find that door, the door to God. The most important thing anyone can do is take hold of one of those blind, groping hands and put it on the latch, the latch that only clicks and opens to the one's own touch. Men die outside that door as starving beggars die on cold nights in cruel cities in the dead of winter, die for one of what is within their grasp. They live on the other side of it. Live because they've not found it. Nothing else matters compared to helping them find it and open it and walk in and find him. So I stand by the door. Go in, great saints. Go all the way down into the cavernous cellars, way up into the spacious attics. It's a vast, roomy house, this house where God is. Go into the deepest of hidden casements, of withdrawal, of silence, sainthood, Some must inhabit those inner rooms and know the depths and heights of God and then call outside to the rest of us how wonderful it is inside. Sometimes I take a deeper look in, sometimes venture in a little farther, but my place seems closer to the opening, so I stand by the door. There's another reason why I stand there. Some people get partway in and become afraid, lest God and the zeal of his house devour them for God is so very great and asks all of us. And these people feel a cosmic claustrophobia and they want to get out. Let me out, they cry. And the people weigh it's, it's, it's right here. And the people way inside only terrify them more. And they want to get out. Somebody must be by the door to tell them that they're spoiled for the old life they've seen too much. Once taste God and nothing but God will do anymore. Somebody must be watching for the frightened who seek to sneak out just where they came in to tell them how much better it is inside. The people too far in do not hear these do not see how near these are to leaving, preoccupied with the wonder of it all. Somebody must watch for those who've entered the door but would like to run away. So for them too, I stand by the door. I admire people who go way in, but I wish they would not forget how it was before they got in. Then they would be able to help the people who've not yet even found the door. Or the people who wanna run away again from God, You can go in too deeply and stay too long and forget the people outside the door. As for me, I will take my old accustomed place, near enough for God to hear me and know he's there, but not so far from others as not to hear them. And remember, they are there too. Where outside the door, thousands of them, millions of them, but more important for me, one of them, two of them, 10 of them, whose hands I am intended to put on the latch So I shall stand by the door and wait for those who seek it. I'd just rather be a doorkeeper. So I stand by the door. As I think about the one another's we've looked at, and how it talks about how we interact with each other. And then as I think of this great text that I read all the time, it's it's a book that just is always ready for me to read it again. I wish I could memorize all that. But the more I see this happening, and the more I see what God is doing in this church, the more I become um, both thrilled, occasionally terrified, of what God seems to be constantly nudging us to do. And again, remember, some of you tired of hearing this. We prayed for 200 people because we had 200 seats in 1985. And sometimes we could have 200 visitors in a week. I never saw that coming. But I've had a front row seat. If anybody knows how unusual this is, I do. If anybody knows how God ordained this is, I certainly do. And I feel like I was put on the earth to stand by the door. That's one of my favorite places. Crossings Community Church is a place, it exists to help all people find and follow Jesus. This is our mission. This is why we're on the planet. This is why we're here. It all starts right here. Now, if we said we're just existing to get educated better spiritually, that sounds noble and it is, but if that's all there is, then that's all there's going to be. Crossings Community Church exists to help all people find and follow Jesus. And we're a church that will do several things. We're committed to live by faith. That means we're willing to take steps of faith. We're willing to follow the nudge of the Holy Spirit at times. When we're sensing we're supposed to have a conversation or go a certain place or maybe serve in a certain way that takes us out of our comfort zones. But if we're going to live by faith, then we take steps. Individually, we take steps as a church into unknown territory all the time. So we wanna be a church that's known to live by faith. We wanna be a voice of hope. Hebrews 6, we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. Live by faith, be a voice of hope, and be known by love. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Remember, Jesus said it. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commands. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's pretty clear. I believe that there are moments we get some clarity of what maybe God might be up to I'm constantly referring back to Acts chapter 2. That probably was the thing I read either before or right after I read that book for the first time. Where you see what happened as a result of Jesus coming to the planet. And you see people who've been with Jesus. They saw him. They saw him beaten. They saw him dying. They saw him buried. And they saw him when he came back to life as if nothing had ever happened. So they believed. You You could not believe any other way. It was real. It had happened. They'd seen it. And then you get to that point in Acts 2 where it says about 3,000 people were baptized one day. This excitement about Jesus and that group of people that started pretty small and became significantly, and is still growing significantly, it was a church. That's what the church looked like. And if you go over to the Holy Land, you'll see cathedrals that are large and and beautiful from those days gone by. You'll see the houses where they would get together in smaller groups and gatherings. You'll see what happened to the church. You'll see how we got here and why we're here. Some people are afraid of a large church. The assumption is always that if it's a large church, there must be some guy with big hair and a Rolex watch doing all the talking all the time. That wasn't wasn't kind. When I go off the notes, it never goes well for me. But there's some assumptions the culture makes about us. We just have to live with that. That's just reality. And if we'll do what we say we're going to do, live by faith, be a voice of hope, be known by love, that'll take care of itself. A lot of people like to, I get stopped occasionally. A guy stopped me uh, um, last year and uh, rode down the window and, and I recognized him. He doesn't go to our church. I don't know him that well, but I, I knew I'd, I'd known him from somewhere. And he said, would you please tell me how you all justify those big buildings when you've got so many hungry people out there? And I had a very, a variety of thoughts in that moment. I said, it's a long story, but when we prayed for 200 people, we knew we could operate in that realm. I, I, had a, I had maybe just enough talent to be the interim pastor for 200 people, but it, God did some stuff among us that we can't even really explain. And we decided to build that first sanctuary that seat 500 people. And we prayed, I prayed, Lord, may I live to see the day when it's full. And did God have a sense of humor when it was started five times full before we made our move? Then we had a million dollars to work with. Some saints had left us some money and we pulled some more money with that, had a million dollars to spend and we built this sanctuary that would seat 500 people. Looks just like our chapel on Portland and uh, did some basement uh, classrooms underneath on the lower floor and we were off to the races. So I said to this gentleman, Had we given away that million dollars, just say, okay, let's just give it to those that need it. And there's plenty of people that need it. That would have been it, over. We just knew we were supposed to make more room. So that's what we did. We invested in what God had in mind. And today, the annual giving beyond our walls is in the millions. We know that story, so many on the outside don't, but we can tell it. A couple of years ago, we initiated what we called the Go campaign. And it, we did several things during that campaign. I'll, let me take you through uh, a quick tour. We bought land at Covell on our depot. And this year, we're going to get started. Hopefully by the end of this year, if not early next year, we'll see a building coming out of the ground there on that corner, and it's a wonderful place to be. It's seven miles east of our current Edmond location, And uh, a lot of people are still asking, when is that going to be built? There there are now thousands of homes out in that area. I didn't believe it till I saw it. I was shocked the first time I drove east and then north and south on all those roads out there. And it's like, where did these people come from? This used to be pasture out here. And now there's thousands of rooftops. So we're going there next. People in Edmond uh, asked me last week, when are you going to get that done? Because we had two parking spaces left last Sunday, two. And that's with all the staff and all of us parking across the street at the doctor's office. So they're going, would you, would you please get with it? Edmund, we're coming. We're going to do it. All right. It's going to happen. But in the go campaign, we bought land. And then because we immediately ran out of room in Edmund. we built this addition to give them classrooms, larger nursery, larger place for student ministries, and a few rooms where they could have some small groups or classes. We did that. We've added a community center worship service as we told you we would. It's a delightful thing happening over on Penn, just south of Hefner in our community center and clinic. And God is doing some wonderful things there with people who would never walk in this building, but they'll walk into that one. And I'm glad glad we have a place for they can be the church too. This is their place. glad we did that. And you know, of course, we built a chapel, Joseph Hart. I still get people that cannot believe we spent a million dollars that we don't own. (laughs) It's like, we just built it for somebody else and we don't know if, you know. We're trusting God will always use it for its intended purpose. And I believe he will. And when we dedicated it, we had to do it, I think, two or three times. (laughs) Which is like, it follows us everywhere we go. It's like... We've three times, two or three times, and there's great things happening in that place. This is their place. This is where their lives are changing. Another thing we did, we built a media center because we had a sense that God was going to take us places we've never been and couldn't go. So this room is in operation right now. If you were to go over to the media center, you would be able to walk in here and they're watching everything on all those screens, every, every location. They're keeping an eye, make sure that we're doing our best, that we're, we're not letting any uh, issues creep into the feed or the, what it looks like and, and the locations where it's showing up. It's a pretty exciting thing, but we built that and the result of that has been people watching us now from all across the country and beyond our borders, beyond the, the oceans, which is still hard to believe but it's happening. With that, we were able to do something pretty significant recently, and I want you to know about it and hear all about it. We're going to, we have our crossings resources now, and it just, it's rolled out today. You'll find in all our locations, people that look like they're working at Best Buy's Geek Squad, but they're not. They're, they're crossings geeks. And they will explain to you how to get this on your phone. If you need help doing that, for all the apps that are going to be available through this, they're available now. It's our, it's a tremendous thing that's happening. Our School of Wesleyan Studies, Cliff Sanders, joined our team to get this up and running. And it is up and running And uh, We'll be able to offer this now to churches around the country and to pastors. All kinds of things are there. Uh, 500 videos, 50 speakers, all in one place. I guess I ought to show you. This is just the School of Wesleyan Studies page with live teaching from these places in England where it actually happened the first time. It's a phenomenal series. We're very happy with that. And we told you we were going to do that during the, during the Go campaign. Well, today we, uh, you, we have we're we announcing the resources.crossings.church. It's now available. So let's have a look at the screens and take you on a quick tour of all that's at this website now here at Crossings. <laughs> pretty special thing and it's going to help people not just in Oklahoma City not just in our uh, church family our locations but again around the world and uh, it's going to be an exciting thing to watch. So that's what we accomplished together when we asked you a couple of years ago to give uh, ma- uh, to uh, make a pledge a building fund pledge to uh, help us get that done. You did and we've done it all and it's all not any debt at all, which is the way only way we're going to do things. So we stay out of debt and every penny went to ministry and in places where God shows up and does miraculous things. We're starting now, this year, we're going to be jumping into a new initiative called the Voice of Hope Initiative. We're gonna do a couple of things with it. Let me show you a few of those. This is our Crossings Midtown Clinic. They came. Good Shepherd Clinic came to us and wanted to be a part of us, and our family, we wanted them as well, and so we joined together, and now it's Crossings Midtown Clinic as well as the existing clinic out on North Penn. Uh, if you've never been to either one of these or been by, drive, at least drive by them and see, what, see what, where they are and what they do, and don't hesitate to go in. You, uh, you, they'll be happy to give you a tour over there uh, on Penn, and I, I imagine the same would be the, the case in uh, Midtown. So the, the, uh, the clinics are, are going to need some upgrades and some things that we will need to do to stay current in meeting the needs of a very changing demographic in our city. The people who have these needs need us and we wanna be there for them. We wanna be their place and we're thankful for that. And then this is back in Edmond out on Covell. Uh, we're going to add on again. <laughs> and, but this is the last time because there's nowhere else to go. And we're thankful for this. There, it, this is going to be a wonderful addition, and I'm glad they need it. And that is, we're going to help them. We will build uh, four large classrooms. And this is going to be a great blessing to this church to be able to add even more groups and classes. And uh, we're very excited about that. So, that's part of this project, this Voice of Hope initiative. And then of course we'll go seven miles over and begin the construction here of a new location uh, at uh, Air Depot and Covell. Those are the things we're planning to do. We believe God has called us to do it. And so uh, that's what we're going to do. There are a staggering amount of opportunities, even beyond what I've just shown you. We have opportunities that we didn't even go looking for and they've got our attention. And I had had the nerve to tell the elders, and they didn't ask me to leave the room, when I said, we probably have $50 million worth of opportunities. Now, we've never raised more than 15 to 20 million, which is wonderful. (laughs) Who can do that? But we can do that because we've got a lot of horsepower. When God is working through 10,000 people together to keep us unified and aimed in the right direction, we can do some things that only God could make possible. So I just decided I'm not afraid of any dollar figure and who wants to cap God and what he can or will do. So we're going to find out, I I suppose, uh, later in this spring when we actually come to you, we'll have more clarity on this and the estimates and those kinds of things. We'll know what we'll need to raise and how much we'll need to, uh, we'll be spending. And then there's one other thing that I just I want you to know this, and then we're, we're going to close. But we brought the Dollar Club back. We told you when we started the Go campaign, we'd come back for the Dollar Club, and, and we did. And one of the things I, I saw this morning, one of the reasons I love the Dollar Club, uh, I was on the front row of the chapel at the 830 service, and there were two darling little girls behind me with their parents, and they both had their dollar bills in their hand. And if we do nothing other than help little kids, Know what can happen when God gets a hold of a dollar bill. So, last year you gave $194,000 bills. And then we gave to 21 recipients the Curbside Chronicle. We found them and gave them gift certificates for Christmas because they're out there doing something, trying to earn something, trying to rebuild their lives. And we were able to do that. 194. Now we didn't give them 194,000. <laughs> but we did all kinds of things. We helped the church get some new, new equipment. We helped the church under the bridge. They needed 20,000 dollars to get you know, they never cancel service in regards of the weather, never have ever can, can, uh, canceled the service. Mechanics in action, in the, the list city care. the curbside chronicle. Bus passes, we have bus passes we're handing out. Arrows International, OKC Crisis Nursery, Wings, Little Light Christian School, Mission OKC, they were the recipients, the recipients of our dollar bills. And on a more uh, ornery side of me, I would say, just keep giving those dollar bills because it, it's really getting tough on those who have to count all this stuff. <laughs> and let's show them what it really could be like, you know. <laughs> 194,000 dollars bills. So I'm very thankful for that. So you know what? God's at work here. Now this card is not anything to do with a, a building fund or anything like that right now. That'll come. But this card is, every, we do this every year on this Sunday, every year. It's as close as you can come to joining this church. <laughs> because if you're a follower of Jesus, you're in. But it's good for us occasionally, and I think annually to renew, basically to say, I'm a part of this. I wanna be a part of this. And we're not, and you don't, we're not asking for anything other than to no, know you're part of the family. And so we, I'd like you to fill these out. I'm gonna ask the ushers to come forward in all of our rooms and begin passing the plates and you can put these in the plate if you have them ready. If you don't have them ready when the plate comes your way, then you can, they'll be at the doors as you exit the rooms and you can place these in uh, the plates there. But if the ushers will go ahead and come forward and uh, begin collecting these, we, I would appreciate that. And, uh, and if you miss the plate, we'll be at, outside at the doors where you can also leave them as well with our ushers. Now I want you to do a couple of things. Before I close, as you're thinking about the card in front of you, I'm going to ask you to do four things. I want you to pray, Lord, increase our faith. We ought to all pray that every day. Lord, increase my faith today. Stretch me. I'm going to ask you to pray for wisdom and discernment for our elders, our team, our pastors, our ministry team. And all the leaders in this church who are serving in some significant way. And every, everywhere anyone is serving is significant. So let's pray for wisdom and discernment. That we all might have that. When we finally see what the, the footprint could look like when God gets a hold of it. So we'll uh, be coming to you again this spring with that. We want to pray for all the people in Crossings family. Let's just pray as a family. Let's pray for one another. We have prayer lists you can get. We have prayer walls. You can leave a request in every room at the prayer walls, knowing people will come by those walls throughout the week and pray for you. And we're, it's an honor to do that, and they're in every room. Some uh, I think the venues, they're more toward the front of the room. In the auditorium here, it's toward the back of the room. Let us know how we can pray for you. But let's pray for all the crossings family that God would move in a significant way in our hearts that that he would ignite the fire in us, that he would like to put in us to serve him and follow him and be an ambassador for him and be a a source of light for someone. And then I want you to pray that God will help us live by faith and be a voice of hope and be known by love. We can't say it if we don't do it. So let's pray. Father, show me every day what's it looked like today to live by faith Give me opportunities today, Lord, to be a voice of hope. And if people know me for anything, I would pray. They would know that I love them unconditionally. No excuses, no ifs, just love. for what God has called us to do. I want to close by reading a prayer. I think you'll understand why that I wanted to close with this. So this is my prayer for us as crossings today so I bow in prayer before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth gets its true name I ask the father in his great glory to give you the power to be strong inwardly through his spirit I pray that Christ will live in your hearts by faith and that your life will be strong in love and be built on love and I pray that you and all God's holy people will have the power to understand the greatness of Christ's love. How wide and how long, and how high, and how deep that love is. Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know. But I pray that you will be able to know that love. Then you can be filled with the fullness of God. With God's power working in us, God can do much, much more than anything we can ask for or imagine. So to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all time, forever and ever. And all the people said, amen Amen. and amen.